hit the record button. Actually, everyone started to show up there. We lost them, everyone, for a second. Mark, I think it's ready to cue the music. Mark. Mark. Yeah. It's not working, Mark. It's not working. No. You can't hear the music? Okay. Uh, so this is our second pilot episode, apparently. Uh, we were we were hoping to go. I thought we I thought we had lined it up. I have my podcast shirt on. Bring it down, Mark. Bring it down. I'm having to mute you, dude. Okay. So we're off to a fantastic start here. Um, season two, episode two. Just real quick, we've got the uh, the the regulars here. We've got Melissa, the collaborator extraordinaire with Beeler Tech. We've got Nicholas Javeri, our traveling correspondent. Uh, Nicholas, where in the world are you today? I'm in Asheville, North Carolina right now. All right, fantastic. Now, we're not going to do this today, but I've decided that since you do this, that we're going to have you at some point do a, a person on the street type segment yeah. where we actually have you go talk to a uh, like a civilian, like a, oh, a regular person and absolutely. ask them questions like, who's their favorite person in yeah. ad tech? And just see what they say. Like we're we're gonna we're gonna have some fun with this. So we'll do that. And of course, we have the machine, um, who you know is now at strike two in terms of our our start. But that's okay. Mark, did you at least book for your own podcast the entire time? Are you going to be joining us for the entire? Oh time? yeah, I'm 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 good. Uh, schedule's good this week. I blocked my calendar. Okay. Fantastic. So glad we could work you in. Apparently, we're not everyone's priority. Just putting that out there. Okay. So with that. We actually have a little bit of an agenda here. We're again with like this is kind of where I was wanting to go with this. Uh, we're going to start conversation uh, with more Vareed around privacy. Then we got Stephen Dove from Waze, which is kind of cool to talk about the map stuff. And then we're going to add a little segment because it, it works with Stephen and his um, joining us and add monsters flashback. Which Mark, again, considering how much you've spent on podcasting gear, which again didn't play the music correctly on the first take, that's okay. That's okay. We learn. Okay. We learn from our mistakes, but I want by next week an ad monsters flashback music bit. Do you have some idea around that? Yeah, I'll, I'll make a note. Okay. Fantastic. Awesome. All right, cool. With that being said, uh, our first guest today is Morvareed Salapore, uh, who, um, Morvareed, why don't you talk about your practice and you might as well work in any Thing, anything you have to say up front before we start talking about privacy regulation legislation and so forth. Let's get that out of the way. Sounds good. Hi everyone. I'm Marguerite Salapur. I'm a business and tech attorney. So I work with uh, small and mid-sized businesses from startups to growth stage. And I help them as outside general counsel. So I help them with negotiating and drafting their different contracts and helping them with legal questions that go into their product and service offerings around data privacy, intellectual property, licensing and monetization, open source, and uses of emerging technologies like AI and machine learning. Uh, I am also president of the Santa Monica Bar Association. And uh, just the only caveat is that everything that I will be sharing in this is educational and nothing is legal advice. So if you need legal advice, you need to reach out to me separately and I'm happy to help. Awesome, thank you for that. And. I will say Morvareed is a, a regular on the virtual happy hours. So she joins us and it's always great to have you there. One of the things I, I just off what you just said, I have to go into before we get into the, the privacy part is someone as an attorney, there's, there's a lot to be done. There's a lot of kind of clients that you can have. What got you into talking about things like AI 
and this technology piece and whatever. Is there something where you kind of like saw the the junction of those things is interesting? Like, or how did, how did you kind of go down this particular path? Yeah. I mean, I guess I've always been a futurist personally. And so it, you know, carried over to professionally. And then once you're in the kind of tech and related spaces, you kind of just go down the rabbit hole more and more. So it's yeah. just something I've always, you know, found very interesting and always been interested in, in innovation and what's going on in that space. And there are so many legal implications and complications that come from technical innovation that people don't think about. So that's where I come in and I really help resolve when there's grades and there is situations that are more complicated. I will, I will tell you that I have told all of my kids I make that sound like there's a lot, there's more than, than needed, I guess. Uh, anyway, I, that's, we'll, we'll edit that out. Right. Before my family hears that. But anyway, I've given them, I've told them all, like, you should learn how to program, right. You should do, you should do programming and you should go, uh, and get a legal degree, right. You should go, you should go, uh, become an attorney because I think the junction of all this stuff, whether it be crypto, smart contracts, all the other kind of stuff is going to be a future spot to be. Um, they have not gone in that direction and thanks Mark for the right. Yeah. Three kids, three kids for anyone that was, was, was wondering. All right. So let's dive into the real, the real, real meat of what kind of where I want to take this, which is what is kind of the state of privacy and regulation, you know, privacy related regulation at this time. Yeah, we're still in very early days in terms of where we are, particularly in the U S in regulation. And it's actually, I think a more complicated arena because of that. So we have, laws that have been enacted in California. We had the CCPA from a couple of years ago. We just had California last uh, no, you know, November passed Proposition 24, which was the California Privacy Rights Act. So now there's a second privacy law that's coming down the books. Uh, Virginia passed a privacy law in the, for the last year and Colorado just passed a privacy law in July. So we have a couple states that have privacy laws and the kind of complication that comes when you have this kind of piecemeal legislation is it's more complex as a business to be able to comply and it's more costly, right? Because you have to start thinking about, well, what are the different privacy laws in these different states? What different rights there may be? There's different nuances among them all versus if there is some kind of federal privacy law, you have one framework that you're able to apply consistently. So it's actually a lot more Kind of efficient and cost effective from an implementation standpoint for businesses to be able to do that. So I think that is one of the complexities we're going to be seeing moving forward is, uh, do we apply the more stringent standard, which is often what, you know, businesses do, for example, California often has the most stringent standard in new areas of the like regulations that are passed. So maybe businesses will default to using this California standard because it kind of covers them for everything else until a federal law is passed. Well, do you think that federal law, I mean, it, it, I keep hearing people saying that it only makes sense that there will be federal level legislation. And then I go and I read a headline as to what's going on in Washington, DC. And I immediately go, I've, I, you know, I don't know, maybe do you, I don't know if there's a, a betting pool on this. It, please let me know. I, I, I don't mind putting some money down on this as to whether we'll get to 50 separate laws before we get to one dominant law. What do you think? I definitely think it's a little bit, it is an uphill battle. I feel like, unfortunately, our legislature is on, on the national level, like Congress is very 
more focused on other issues. And a lot of them are not really tech savvy. They just aren't knowledgeable about uh, technical innovation. And you can see this from any of the hearings that we've had before uh, the tech, big tech executives before Congress, right? They tech, you know, some of the congressmen didn't know how Facebook generated money. They didn't understand the whole, it, it comes from ads, right? Uh, they didn't know how Google worked. Someone asked uh, one of the executives from Google, you know, why Trump showed up when you Googled moron, not realizing the Barbara Streisand effect. Like it's just, they're so out of touch with how technology works that I find it's hard to get to somewhere where you can get well thought out uh, laws that are put in place early enough to maybe address some of this. And they also, I feel, don't have the appropriate level of knowledge to even seek out experts to help with that, right? You really need a multidisciplinary team of experts to create a law that makes sense for a lot of these developing issues. They don't know how to do that. So I think our best bet is just electing more people who are knowledgeable in these spaces, but that's a, that's a hard thing to do. And that takes time and cycles and, and, and so forth. And so is it, so I, again, operations person, and again, just talking specifically about the privacy as it relates to digital advertising piece of this, it, it seems to me, I'm looking for efficiencies, right? And it seems like, tell me if I'm wrong, people are following California. They're, they're, they're not doing a complete copy paste, right? That, that would be easy. If Colorado said, and just replace the word California with Colorado, we would be onto something, but they don't, they, they have their versions of that. Mm -hmm. So we have to be aware of all of them, but Mm -hmm. is it, is there something, and you kind of alluded to it before, just looking for, you know, should we be watching for potential legislation coming down the road from a particular state where we think, they're really going to go far with this. So we should probably start to think about them more than we think about California. Do do you know what I'm saying? Like in other words, trying to anticipate so that you could just go to, if I solve for Vermont, then I'm solving for all the other States type of approach. Yeah. So that, you know, you're, you're going to always have to look out for the nuances. So, you know, the attorneys are always going to have to do, well, what, what is, you know, is there a nuance, nuance between this state and that state? But just historically, California has been the most stringent on all of these kind of rights and laws that are passed, including, you know, the previously in greenhouse gas emissions, environmental laws, things like that. So it's usually states, what happens is California passes the law and other states starts to follow in line. And that's kind of what we're seeing. So this is a very typical pattern. I, I will say my big concern kind of is with California is that we this California Privacy Right Act that passed as a ballot initiative has some real problems uh, because it wasn't written by the legislatures, right? It was it's a ballot initiative, and that's something California has. Not all states have. Anyone can get a certain number of signatures, and you get something on the ballot, and then you get to vote for it. You can say yes or no, and it was really promoted to the constituents in the state as privacy forward, like protecting data, giving people more privacy. And most people didn't actually look at, they didn't read the proposed law, they didn't do the analysis, they just saw the PR and they voted for it because they're like, oh, well, more privacy sounds good. But there are some underlying problems with this. So it's set to go into effect January 1, 2023. Um, And some of the big problems I kind of see with it is that it, one, it increases the number of exempt businesses so it can kind of lead to businesses starting to create 
pay for privacy frameworks. So that means, for example, you know, you want to go to Facebook or some other social media company and you want to have the privacy features. So you're going to have to pay them now $20 a month. But if you don't pay them, they're going to sell your data or something like that. So that actually creates, it brings in social issues because there are certain people obviously who are going to be able to afford paying for privacy uh, across multiple forums and things like that. And other people won't be able to do that. So then you have a stratification in whose data is being collected and sold. So that's one thing that might be a potential issue of that, for example. Yeah. I, th this is nothing but unintended consequences, right? With all this stuff, which, which goes to one of the hearts of this. I, I've, I've said this, it's a glib generalization, but I'm, I'm curious to your statement around it, which is, is privacy regulation about privacy? I mean, I know that in some cases it is about big tech and trying to to you know, um, go after them, right? Like this seemed like a, an area, but the unintended consequences is it affects every publisher, everyone else in the industry, actually even outside of our industry uh, in terms of how we deal with data. And at the same time, the spirit, I mean, if you were to ask me, would I like my data to be private? Yes. So I'm on board, except it's the way that these things are being done don't necessarily add up. And so I'm that was a long ramble to set you up for wherever you wanted to take that. That's my new question. By the way, that's my new line of questioning everyone. And I, I, as if you didn't know, right? I just ramble until some point where everyone stops and goes, I'll just pick up. So more of a read, please. Yeah, sure. So I kind of think privacy is really dead, right? So I think really understanding any of these as, you know, they call it privacy laws, but you're not going to be able to put, you know, the cat back in the bag. Like we've lost privacy over the last, over a decade that we've just been freely giving all this data away. So it's not like we can really get that data back. So we're also very connected. We have IoT devices on us all the time. So I think more what it, the intention and I think laws will hopefully continue to develop in this path is establishment of data rights for consumers so that we know this data is being monetized, right? There is revenue being generated over uh, from it and the only ones who are really getting that generation is the, the big tech companies, right? They're uh, being able to sell this data um, and no share of it is really being given to consumers. So I think if we get to a point where there are laws established where consumers get to share in that monetization and have some control more over how their data is monetized. So for example, say you you know, you know have some uh, data about you know your, your usage of, you know, some kind of application and you're like, well, maybe I want to sell it to, you know, this, this type of company. And yes, the big tech company is going to do the selling through their social media platform, but you'll get like 20% of the revenue or something like that from that sale. So that just seems like a fair situation to exist. It's kind of, yeah. Like, so privacy being dead. So then, or not dead. Well, private privacy now being something again, that you can transact on and you, the person but it's property. Right. Right. Yeah. It's an interesting, well, but that gets into, I got to circle back on some of that, but I know Mark, you had, like, you think about this stuff a lot. You had a question. Or yeah. Two. So, I mean, I mean, machine learning, um, you know, <laughs> see what he did there. Cause we call it machine. How does one actually learn to become a machine? No, um, <laughs> seriously. 
Um, when it comes to machine learning and AI, I, I, you know, something that I don't think the privacy laws are looking into or the privacy legislation are looking into is this notion of AI bias that comes in. And, and there's a lot of conversation that's happening around that. And I don't think, you know, that the people programming the AI are intentionally trying to do bad, but just by the sheer nature of it existing, it injects certain biases into what the outcome is, you know, and I could see that becoming an issue, you know, as we get into privacy matters and targeting and different, different aspects of machine learning and AI, I, I just was curious if, if anyone in, in the legal community is thinking about those things. Yeah, I mean, I, that's an issue that I kind of think about and things like that. But again, it's you need to this to come from the legislature, right? So you need to have or like laws passed that start to create. Well, this is how we're going to address biases that exist because biases actually exist in AI machine learning models on different levels. It's both the underlying data is biased and it actually creates a worse situation because a lot of people will accept the results and put some kind of false legitimacy on it because they're like, well, we know none of us made the decision, the AI did, so it can't be biased. Um, there's also the developer bias that comes in, right? And the user bias. So there is multiple levels and in particular areas, this is already problematic. We're already seeing things is, for example, uh, there are AI models that are used in sentencing in the criminal justice system. So that obviously has built in issues Whoa. that we should be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and I, yeah, I'll be honest. I had never actually, I didn't know about that. And just connecting that dot right there is, is uh, uh, okay. Sorry. Good. Continue. But that was a whoa moment. I had to interrupt. <laughs> yeah. So that is one of the complications. And we see a lot of that also with uh, facial recognition, facial ID. And that's why multiple cities have banned its use because it's been shown that technically it is not, it, it often will misidentify minorities and women. So when you're misidentifying certain groups of people and including, you know, treating them as criminals, there was one application in New York where they kept people, they used it in the housing. So some, some women and minorities weren't able, able to access their housing. So because it wasn't scanning them right. So these are situations where you're now depriving people of rights that need to be established. So it, it's very problematic. And I think it goes back again to that thing I was mentioning earlier. You need a multidisciplinary team involved in creation of uh, not just uh, the laws related to this, but actual the kind of creation of the algorithms too, right? If you have legal people, if you have ethics people involved in, in discussions with the technical people, you're more likely to come to a good result on a, so, on a social kind of standing versus if you just have the technical people moving forward. And, and we also have to keep in mind that often these companies, because of the capitalist system are incentivized to maximize revenue generation. So you have companies like Uber who, you know, they were, articles have come out about how a couple of years ago, about how they were maximizing uh, algorithms that would basically have drivers break even. That was the incentive, right? Because that made the most kind of revenue for them. And individual developers at Uber were also incentivized to do that because the better you did that, the more likely you were to get a promotion to make more, right? Yeah. And and what's interesting, I, I was thinking about, again, what, what you talk at, so the technology obviously always outstrips our ability to govern, to, to legislate it, right? It will always be somewhat behind, but hopefully, to your point, corrections are made, understanding that we actually have to, to devote 
get multi, you know, you know, many people on this to do it, do it correctly. And so part of me was sitting there thinking about, again, you're talking about sentencing people, you're talking about like people in housing and I'm talking about ads, <laughs> but what popped up in my head that I thought about is something that I always come back to. It's one of my, my favorite soapbox things is websites and the digital experience is the one spot that brings us right to your face, right? Like you, you go to a website and you keep going, how come I can't see all of it? Because there's some screen in front of me that's making me look at something and check a box. And there's a bit of wanting to make that easy so people can kind of move on. There's also mm -hmm. a spot of making it a thing and at least for publishers to use that opportunity to go like, there's a value exchange here. And perhaps what you mentioned before becomes a thing of like, we'd like to use your data and we want to come into an agreement with you to do that in smart, useful ways. That's a, that's actually like as small and as insignificant. Sorry, everyone that listens to this podcast, uh, digital ads, is not the most important thing in the world. Um, Sorry, uh, that, that may that may stunt my career, but I'm 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 gonna go with it. Uh, but like, it is actually one of the places where this actually is the most likely to get in front of people, in real ways, right? So I there might be something there where we can help kind of think about that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave with thinking about that. I think there might be something there. So yeah, I think it's a it's definitely a kind of at least that's how I'd like to see it develop. And there is you know more complexities right now. Even you have some companies so for for example even the the right to privacy doesn't clearly exist after someone passes away right now so you have companies that are kind of taking advantage of gathering data on like social media and stuff and then trying to sell that back to people to their family members so that's another area where you have to have more uh, created uh because you're having like those weird kind of black mirror situations where, you know, someone, someone's family doesn't necessarily have to be, want to be reminded of that. Or there's often also the issue of some of these social media accounts just kind of continuing forever and getting kind of reminders of like, oh, it's this person's birthday, but you know, they're not around, but the family wasn't able to get access to actually take control and, you know, address. So it, that's why I think it goes back to like, this needs to turn into some kind of property, like a data right so that people can actually you know, deal, people can inherit the rights and do things with it and take control of it and all of that. That's great. So one last, last question for you. Um, and as it relates to, again, we'll say publishing and people in the, in the digital advertising space. Uh, I agree with you in terms of your vision, right? Again, whether, whether we get there or not, but just this idea of, of starting to get construct in this particular direction, what is the, the best way to kind of, to contribute to these conversations? Like where, where are these conversations happening in a meaningful way where, and again, it, it may not be an individual ad operations person. It's probably more likely larger publishers or, or, or bigger companies, but people are talking about this and making, starting to place how these pieces are going to go. Where might that be that someone can actually contribute to that conversation? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is just people having these conversations themselves. And so that it's initially, I think it's more of an education, educational conversation. I think a lot of people don't understand data. They don't understand privacy. They don't understand cybersecurity. They don't understand any of these. So the more conversations you can kind of have along this and you can kind of be like, oh, that, that strikes something. I think it educates people so they can 
lobby their politicians to get privacy laws put forward. They can elect more knowledgeable people. So I think it starts like a basically a domino effect. Um, and, and one thing that might be interesting is I, I have been doing like every um, Sunday on Clubhouse, I've been doing a discussion about like data privacy, cybersecurity, like technology, all of this stuff. So we cover different topics that are in this area. And that's it's a way to maybe get involved and learn a little bit more. Like last week, we covered the new social media censorship law that Texas put in place and it, it's unconstitutional, but you know, that's something they did. So <laughs> that's, oh, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Uh, but what I, what I will say to, to, so Sundays on clubhouse, that's awesome. Your social media, again, I think that you, you tend to, to tweet about things that are useful. We'll put that, make sure that that's in the, uh, follow-up stuff so people can follow you. Again, I, I definitely look to to you on these things and you tend to flag that stuff. And uh, Morfried, really appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to transition uh, to our to our next guest, but Mark, I was wondering if there was anything uh, private you wanted to share with us. Is there, I just, you know, or do you want to not, not share? Um, I, I think I'm going to keep it private, but I'm a little creeped out by, by some of the stuff in this conversation. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it makes, it makes whether you serve someone an ad based on what section they went to the site seem a little bit like more palatable than uh, that, but uh, all right. So let's get our next guest in here. Um, ba -ba -bum. Mr. Dove. Come to the stage. I guess. Oh, we're supposed to do like a little clap, like this, like a, you know, like he's becoming from behind the curtain. Stephen, are, are you still with us? Did you fall asleep? I didn't fall we asleep. Can't see you. Um, connected. There, we, there go. we go. I like that. That was actually kind of a cool transition. I like that. That's awesome. So, Mr. Dove, it is good to talk to you. It has been a while. I mean, yeah. Well, we'll pretend it's been a while. But yeah, okay, you know, yeah. we haven't <laughs> talked about the business. Um, in depth in quite a while. Yeah, um, so it, it is true. I'm going to go on the record. We did speak half an hour ago before this uh, this session. Exactly. We did actually talk a little bit while ago. But uh, um, Stephen, you are with Waze. Could you actually talk to you, us about your your role there, and then uh, let's talk a little bit about what Waze does and how it works and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, I run uh, Waze Ads Product Management. So we have our own engineering and product team because we build pretty much all of our own ad technology at Waze. Um, they're native ads, mobile and hyper-local, and you can't really buy that stuff off the shelf. Um, so that's kind of what our team does. Uh, Waze, for those who don't know, is a community-based navigation app, right? Um, and that's kind of the really cool thing about what we do. Everything you see in Waze pretty much comes from the community of Wazers. And if you're a very early user, you may remember times when there were not streets. And you could get like little Pac-Man dots by driving down new streets and teaching the map, um, teaching, you know, ways and sharing this information with ways about those maps. And that continues to this day. We have a very active community. Obviously, in real time, you're sharing information about where you're seeing traffic or a school close or a road closure or the police. Um, but we have community editors who will go and spend 30, 40 hours a week because they really love this stuff, mapping new roads, mapping new parking lots, new buildings, or places in the world that still aren't on the map. That's great. That's great. And so you're working on the ad product piece of that, which obviously gets into, again, a very desirable position to be in. You know where someone is, 
and you know they're coming up on a potential thing. Is there any, can you talk about like the, I guess, you know, at one point, again, you weren't doing ads, it, it, you needed time to, to kind of build up to that. But what does that evolution look like? What, it, you know, what are some of the cool things that you are doing with that? That, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, so um, I joined the company about two years ago and, and there was a time then there weren't ads on ways, but they've been there for a while. And they really follow the philosophy of the whole app, which is helping provide information to drivers. And I know that sounds lofty and aspirational for an ad team, but you think about the main ad unit you'll see on Waze, which is a pin. And it's a pin on the location of a business, right? And it highlights either that business itself or something you can buy at that location, right? With CPG. Uh, so that basic piece there is just adding enhanced data onto the map. It's another layer of the map. Um, and, and it's interesting because you said we know where the user is um, and we, you can use that with the ads piece, but it's actually much more passive than that. And that's one of the reasons like it's, it's a value add in a lot of ways. And the users, we survey them regularly, we, we engage with them regularly, find the pin ads helpful. Um, because it's not figuring out where you are and then figuring out what to show you. It's a um, digital billboard, right? You're driving down the street. There's a business here. There's a Starbucks there. There's a McDonald's there. There's whatever it may be around the corner helping you navigate the world. And we, that's, that's again, we're trying to add value there. As we move forward, we're trying to get better and better at that. As I said, we build all our own ad technology in-house. Um, so that's a tall order for what is relatively mid-sized business and adding new layers of intelligence to that all the time to make it more relevant to understand, is this a business you're actually interested in interacting with, or did you just come out of that particular business and showing you another, uh, pin on that doesn't really make sense. Just getting better at those mechanics of things. And then the other thing that we're really taking seriously is expanding how we think about this from just ads to more broad monetization. So we think about how do we connect Wazers to businesses and what's the useful data there to give to the Wazers about the businesses around them, about sales, about things being open, about you know, how busy they are, whatever it may be. Um, but also how can we help you engage with those businesses, right? To order ahead or to pay for the order or to make a booking with a hotel because you're taking a road trip. Because there's a lot of value that makes a ton of sense in a navigation app, right? There's a lot of endemic verticals, businesses that you engage with in your car, about your car, because you drove to someplace. So it's a really neat fit. I've been in ad tech off and on for a long time. And this as a publisher is a really neat place where that mission of connecting users to businesses can take shape in a lot of ways that go beyond just branding, which is valuable to awareness and then to actual engagement, right? Um, and making that easier so that the feature and the monetization element really do become one thing. You know, do you know how many, in, while you were talking, how many road map type jokes I was gonna interrupt <laughs> you with? And I just wanna give everyone, like I should get a, 
a point for 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 not interrupting with mapping ahead there's a lot of ways you could have done that rob uh yeah. I w- especially right. when you said ways is when i was like oh i gotta call it out because you you definitely yeah. you, you guys probably do that all day long just talking about all the ways you're gonna do something uh we work hard things- not to <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's well but it's interesting right because you're some of the models right so uh obviously that was really interesting what you were saying about it being more passive that i do, i've again seen the alerts that something's kind of coming up and then one of my favorite uh, integrations was the voice stuff. So mm-hmm. for a while, we had Colonel Sanders as uh, telling us where to to go, and that was that was something the whole family kind of got into. That uh, there might be a robot chicken ahead, if you know what I'm talking about. Right. I haven't seen any of those recently. I don't. Is that? Uh, oh, you're not looking, Rob. And um, I'm not looking. All right. It's called Copilot. Um, and we work with big brands, uh, not always, well, yeah, brands. So right now, if you open up your ways and you click on my ways, you'll see, uh, I see drive with the fraggles. Um, there's a new fraggle rock thing out there. You can set your mood, which is the icon that people see, uh, on your car, the car you see, and then the voice, right? So okay. that, and we just had one for halo. A year or two ago, we had a very popular one, the Sesame Street Cookie Monster giving you directions. Um, there's one coming up. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it, um, but a very popular Showtime show is coming back with a limited run and a uh, really cool voice coming from that to help give you the directions there. So that is a really popular program and it's really neat. And that, like I said, a lot of ways to engage with businesses in the map. This one that's really like high level branding stuff, but is is fun, right? It's cool, a well-known voice or personality. And here's something I'll throw out to everybody that I love. You can make your own voices and you can then actually distribute a link to those. So if you think you have a great way to give people instructions, you can go into the app and record. It'll give you a, a list of prompts for all the uh, voice directions in there. And you can give yourself directions or your friends or your family or put it up on the official Bueller cast ways voice guidance so i think i now know where my weekend i was going to get a bunch of work done <laughs> but now i think i'm going to just i love it uh i i think we, we got it well so here's some so first of all i love that you kind of hinted at a you know like an exclusive i kind of feel like we just you know again maybe maybe we're not uh you know maybe there's some little thing there where we could break some news there or when people see it so we need one for the wire Right, I need that. So when I'm going through Baltimore, so we'll we'll get that, and Oof. then um, the misfits. touchy, 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 and that's the sad sore subject right now because uh, uh, yeah, well, Michael Omar. Michael Williams yeah, just yeah, bad. yeah. Well, it's my favorite show, so that's why I, I bring it up. I bring it up with love, not as a, a negative joke. But yeah, well, I grew up misfits. in Baltimore, and so yeah, love that show. So, uh, so where. One of the things that I wanted to, to throw out to you, right, is, and we actually kind of touched on this maybe a little bit with the uh, earlier conversation, is things like automated, you know, like, you know, self-driving cars. I mean, mm-hmm. the, 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 the driving experience is changing. You know, there's a part where I was almost going to go to like, hey, you're serving me ads on my navigation. But the fact is, is that the navigation is now in your car more than it is anything else. Right. So it's something where that goes. Do you think about those things? Are you an- anticipating where some of that might go? Any, any thoughts? 
Yeah, we, we absolutely think about it. We absolutely talk about it. We absolutely want to be part of the story and not passive, you know, recipients of what's happening there. But we also, I think, at ways are a little bit humble and are aware of, you know, we have broad reach, but on some element, it's a niche. And we're about cars and drivers. We're about eliminating traffic. We're about helping you get from here to there, right? We're a navigation app. We're not a broad-based mapping app. And in that context, the best thing we can do right now is help, you know, the individual driver or the carpooling driver. And you should check out Waze Carpool, right? We're helping try to connect people so that we can get cars off the road. Help people, cars and drivers, get from point A to point B in the most efficient way. When you start talking about self-driving cars, obviously you can change the entire story, right? You can look at an endpoint where all cars are so-called self-driving and the navigation system is the big brain in the matrix coordinating all traffic patterns. Um, and there's a lot of promise in that. You know, for myself, purely for myself as an opinion, I think in a place like the United States, it's gonna be a long time before we'll be able to realize that, that level of promise because one independent actor in, that, in the matrix can really mess everything up, right? If you don't merge in the right way and leave the right space between you and the person, the machine has the ability to break instantaneously because they know everything that's going to happen ahead of time and an individual can't play in that space, which means you need everybody bought in which maybe looks like legislation during rush hours, right? Like things like that to get to the point where you're at that level of extension. So then you kind of roll it back and go, well, what comes before that, right? Well, it's the long drive cruise control that helps me stay in the lane and lets me multitask maybe. And certainly that needs to be built into the car, right? And still not the layer at which Waze exists today um, and, and where we are although it would open up the opportunity to be a little more interactive. We are very mm -hmm. conscious at ways that we're not an attention app. We don't want your attention, <laughs> right? Beyond what is necessary and, and very helpful in the moment. Like you should be eyes on the road, focused on the road. Um, short of that, the more pressing trend or more is, you know, Android Auto and CarPlay. It is that the operating system is moved into the car screen and so we're beyond mobile, we're beyond just the phone, and we're in that car screen now. And I think a lot of us think of that car screen as an extension of the phone because that's how it started, right? You plug your phone in and now it's powered up there. But that's a different OS, right? Like Apple's CarPlay, Android Auto is a different OS. So we actually have four versions of Waze now, right? We have iOS, we have Android, we have Android Auto, we have CarPlay. Like you have to have different code for those places so that it plays right. Um, it's a new ecosystem and we have to learn how that works. There are new interaction patterns, right? We're seeing really interesting things where people are, have the nav app open a lot more than they do now. One of the things that I think people don't realize, especially folks in tech, is most drives in the United States are not done, or in the world are not done with any nav app at all. You know how to get to school, to work, to the grocery store. And unless you're trying to hack the traffic or, or whatever it may be, I love it. You know, I love ways because I, I want that edge or I want to know where the police are, I want to know what's going on and I want to help other people. But for a lot of people, most of their drives, there's no nav app. Now with the built-in 
automotive systems, CarPlay and Android Auto, people, it comes on automatically. And now we have a lot more opportunities, ways to provide more information to you, again, a little passively, right? So you're yeah. more aware of what's happening in your surroundings. And again, you can make better decisions. Uh, for me, the thing I think about a lot is running errands on the weekend. How can I help you optimize that for time, for gas, for finding the places with the best offers on hand, for the things that you like? Like that's, that's what gets me really excited. How do I optimize your weekend so you can do all the things you need to do, save some money, find some great you know, new brands and make it to your mother's house for dinner on Sunday on time with a great bottle of wine. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Though I, I will say that the number of time I've gotten like Reese's ads up and I've said, I, well, I have to stop. I mean, it's, it's part of the app. It's telling me where to go. I, I have no control over this, but we have to stop. stop once again, what, what, one thing that popped in my head, I was going to tell you that like, what makes me nervous to your point about the type of advertising is I'd be really nervous if like a, a game, a gamer app developer, join your team, mm. right? Cause you could just sit there and go like, you're going to be turning in, please watch this ad for 30 seconds, but you know, to kind of get the answer, yeah, no. you have to kind of like that kind of thing. So there was that joke. Okay. Yeah. Then I thought, yeah, but that, go ahead. Now I was going to say as a, <laughs> I, as a Jersey driver, as a Jersey driver, gamification would not be something I'd be completely opposed to. Um, I'm just putting that out there that, uh, no, I, I there's a whole, isn't there a whole different version for Jersey drivers to know which I think it's called Grand Theft Auto. Oh, okay. Right. That's a no. different app. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so, you know, first off, I do want to address the, the first joke because we do take it really seriously and I do have to put more than a disclaimer, right? Like we talk about all the time on the ads team, on the ads product team, we picked up goals around um, user value and user satisfaction, right? We don't just focus on the revenue. We think about the user and we have to, right? And we do safety studies and we think about this all the time. So the pins are the thing you see. There also is a takeover ad, but it'll only show when you're at a red light and you've been stopped for several seconds. As soon as you start moving, it goes away. But we're aware of that, the kind of the tension that exists there on any level. So we are definitely trying to do much more before you start driving because we can add more value there because you're in a point where you're trying to make a decision about where to go and how to get there and what you might do when you go get there. And we even have a new ad unit in testing right now, which is an arrival unit, right? Which to speak to the ad tech crew, the last possible digital touch point, uh, when you arrive at a business location, you're ready to spend money, right? What's the last thing I can say to you before you walk into the mall or the superstore or whatever it is, and we now have an arrival unit as you're pulling in. So I can say, hey, here's an offer or here's the flyers. You don't have to pick up that piece of paper at the door, right? Or here's the new thing that, that they're promoting or there's a new store in this mall. So those types of interactions before you drive and that before you drive goes right in line with the core roadmap of Waze, which is you'll, you're already starting to sell a lot more of these features, which is, I have to get this right. I'm not on the core team. Um, is get the why, which is we're trying to give you much more information about why we're routing you in a particular direct uh, way. And so now there's a trip overview part when you first start up the app and you're planning it and it'll show you what, where you're going. It'll tell you why we've picked that route. It'll show you the other possible routes. 
And we want to build into that space too and talk about suggested drives, right? Or suggested stops rather. So if I have the context of the drive you're going to make, if I know you're going to drive 300 miles, well, you have to stop, right? Your gas tank won't take you that far. Maybe it will. Maybe you're uh, in a Prius or whatever it is, you're probably going to stop. I need to stop as a, as a middle-aged <laughs> man a couple of times. Um, and, and what can I do to help you make smart stops along the way? We also have stats, and you can talk to anybody in the hotel business, Americans being who we are, um, and I can speak to the international audience, but I don't have the stat for them. But Americans, like, I forget the exact stat, I'm terrible at this. Uh, an inordinately large number of hotels are booked within 24 hours of when they're used, okay? It's over 50%, if I recall correctly. Um, so if you plan that road trip, if you tell me at ways, I'm about to drive 300 miles, me saying, hey, do you need a hotel? Hey, yeah, I need a hotel. Here's one right by where you're going. And here's a parking lot. And let me help you make this trip a little easier. And by the way, those are monetizable, you know, business yeah. engagement events. And that's, again, like I said, that's really cool because it helps the Wazer, it helps the business, and it helps, it helps ways. Well, and to me, there's an underlying piece of this of, well, again, it goes, it gets interesting again in terms of the usage of data and whatever, and it would have to get to the privacy aspect of it. But the fact is, is that in some ways I do want my apps and I want these things to connect to your point of like saying, I am going to visit mom and I want to get a bottle of wine is probably on my to-do list. It's not in my map app, but if those things got connected, next thing you know, I'm getting reminded at the right time. And it's, again, it's a it, computer should be guiding us to live better lives, right? Right. Not just sell right. us stuff, but to actually get better right. lives. So there's a, you know, people can debate where that line is. That's the part where it gets really kind of interesting with this, right? Well, and so this is the, this is the good news from a privacy standpoint and the way that I think about it and have thought about it for a very long time, which is that when you keep things entirely contextual or as contextual as possible, and it's also very clear where the data that the app or the advertiser has is coming from, right? Then, A, I pass the sniff test when it comes to creepy. I pass the test when it comes to legality. And if I make it useful as well, then we're in very good space, right? Like if I give you a transparency and options, of course, somebody's got to. Um, but so if we take this to the ways example, right? The examples I gave you around long road trips, I don't need to know anything about Rob Vila, right? I just need you to don't. know that that's a long trip, right? You do tend to enter this, you declare your home in ways, right? Because you want to get back there earlier. So I know it's not home, but that, that doesn't even matter, right? Like it's 300 miles, you need to do something along those ways. And then the other thing, when you look at the advertisers that we have today, you know, it's hard for me to think of any examples that aren't pretty relevant contextually, right? We're talking about QSR, right? Because people eat fast food on the road. We're talking about um, gas, right? Because you're going to get gas. <laughs> We're talking fuel. You're going to get fuel. Um, uh, I'm terrible with this re retail and uh, <laughs> consumer package goods, CPG, right? The Reese's example, the Coca-Cola and these things. Right, like, and these are the core of the business because they relate to people and cars and drivers. I am not trying to hmm, sell you a big screen TV while you're driving with Waze, right? Like there's no match and I don't really want to, 
right? It's not helping you in that context. It's taking you out of the context, as a matter of fact. Right now on all those pins and takeover ads on ways, we don't allow clickouts from the app because why would we? You're driving, right? You know, <laughs> right? Like, so there, we're really, I, I like to think we're, we're thoughtful about this because that's what we want to do for our users and we're very user oriented. The example I gave about I'm going to mom's for dinner, I don't want to know where your mom lives and I don't, like, I don't want that data in our system. I don't want to figure it out. I don't want you to tell me, right? Like, there are limits, but I can make good guesses. And I think this is where it comes in. And, you know, I was listening to the conversation more of a read and you know, there's a lot of educational elements. You have, you can't get ahead of people with your technology because what, what's the quote about like any sufficiently advanced technology looks like witchcraft, right? Like how did the, how did the system know this thing? It's like, well, it got really good at guessing. It wasn't actually listening to your conversations in the house. But doesn't matter because if I don't know how it got that information, how it made that inference, it may have well been spying on me. So we also were conscious of that. We try to think about those kind of things ahead of time and, and really do things that are a pool from our user base and from our business base, right? And, and find the max of the match of those things. And one of the things I'd throw in there that's really important, and again, urge you all to check it out although I don't have the URL, um, but the Waze community, like there are big forums. We have, when it's not COVID, we have in-person forums. We talk to the people who are, um, you know, engaged with the app. We talk directly to them and we listen to them. So we really have an open conversation there. Um, Which, and we're rewarded so, for it. Yeah, they give yeah, us so, data because of that, right? Yep. About so the I world think- at large, yeah. So I think there's an aspect and you, you kind of answered what was going to be my last question. So we can, we could wrap up with where I was going to take this when I think you did it, which is for those of us that have um, that are as publishers or in digital advertising that have some element of utility. And I, and I, by the way, I do think that more and more companies are going to have to think like a utility yeah. to have the relationship you need to succeed. Right. Cause again, if you're just completely disposable, you're, you're, you know, that you are, you're disposable, right? So there's a piece of that, but like, there's no better like example than when someone's driving in their car about when to serve them an ad and being respectful, like so you kind of crossed off all those lines. So those are some things I, th- I hope people kind of think about in terms of context and knowing when to serve an ad and how to serve an ad that can apply to other scenarios that don't have to necessarily be driving a car but certainly get into that. So, you know, Steve, yeah. I want to thank you for that kind of thought. Um, well, knowing can that I throw a in a, a last yes, thought please. there real quick? Yeah. So I think Waze is lucky in that regard because we have very little room for error and we get really instant feedback if we mess up. And I think a lot of publishers don't and you can accidentally do a lot of damage to your product because you're not hearing from your user base. They're just going away. Right. So I think it's something to be really Preach. conscious of it and make sure you engage with your users so that look, it's hard to be at purely additive with ads. I get that. Right. Like I don't want to, you know, blow smoke around here, but don't be subtractive. Right. Like don't hurt the product and wherever you can find those synergies where you're actually enhancing it and adding some value. Like that's, that's, that's just great. Right? Like, yeah. Then we're really doing our jobs. 
so yeah please Murphy. i think something that's really kind of ties into what you're saying stephen is that so many businesses nowadays are kind of thing that actually being privacy forward gives them a competitive edge over other businesses so even with what you're saying you're doing it's it seems to be more privacy forward and it's actually in contrast to i don't know if any of you saw that um, earlier this spring Ford actually filed for a patent for its vehicles to have ads pop up from like when you're driving by the big ads on the, you know, on the street to have those billboard ads pop up onto your screen as you're driving, which I think most people had a pretty like negative reaction to that. So I don't think that's like, like going down that road of trying to like monetize vehicles they are selling more by making billboards show up in your car just sounds wrong versus a business that's being more privacy forward saying like, we're going to give you targeted ads. We're not just trying to like, you know, give you everything. Yes. Yeah, let's absolutely. And let's give credit. Let's hopefully like the credit or the benefit of the doubt to Ford, they probably weren't going to show you a big pop-up while you're flying down the highway at 60, but I didn't read the article. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the patent was for. Oh, geez. But yeah, yeah. you could, what we could only imagine again, let's, let's hope that the, the use and the utility continually outpaces ad tech, right? Because it, if ad tech were to take over, we, we definitely would be, you know, think of airplane pilots because they're a pretty good, you know, they're, they're, they're a pretty good demographic to reach, right? So one, one can only imagine clouds now having sponsored ads on it. So <laughs> I, just in the interest of time, um, I'm going to save my request of you about paying a little extra so that I can redirect everyone else's traffic away so I get a free lane. I'm going to bring that up to the group and we're going to work on that to, to come to that as a, as a, as a thing. Um, and of course, I'm going to be leaving and, and doing a Colonel Sanders Steven, do we want to dive into New Orleans and that uh, monsters flashback, or do we, or do we not? Is that is that? Something uh, I wondered if you're going to bring that up. You know, I think up till now I've done a very good job of something that we can cut clips out of. I could tell my sales team, "Hey, I didn't screw this up." You know, <laughs> we're going to talk so about New Orleans. If, so then so, you know what? New Orleans. No, 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 no. Oh, okay, but okay. because yeah, because no. So I think it was 2009. I worked at DoubleClick, which was owned by Google by then. And I was doing my second consecutive keynote at an Ad Monsters, which the good brains at Ad Monsters decided to schedule at 9 a.m. on the second day of the conference in <laughs> New Orleans. Now, can anybody think where this might be going? <laughs> um, lots of sponsors, lots of sponsored parties on the first night. Uh, and I get up there. 9 a.m. fresh faced. I did not go out late. And I look out over the audience. Now I was impressed that there was an audience. I was really surprised that the seats were full. But I did my thing. I showed my slides and I had left plenty of time for the interactive back and forth. And Rob was the MC and we opened it up for questions. And it was crickets. And we had a lot of time left. And Steve and I had our first interview as I, yeah. So, so think of this. So this was my first event working for ad monsters <laughs> at that time. We gave Google an hour. Now you can only imagine that at a conference right now, if Google had an hour and it was interactive questions, like just absolutely. Right. But just at that time in new Orleans at that moment, and you had actually said, you know, I'm going to cut some of this out so that we could get to questions sooner. So he has an hour and finished in probably 15 minutes to 20. Like you were even a little quick. I remember you before that saying, 
Stephen, are you sure there's enough content here? Oh yeah, it'll be great. Um, and I was sweating bullets. <laughs> and I'm, I, of course, for, for who I was working with, they were like, they paid for an hour, they get an hour. So I'm sitting there going, okay. <laughs> Stephen, can you go to slide one again? <laughs> and I literally yeah, yeah. made you represent with just a lot of color commentaries if it was, it was. But it, what I remember, Stephen, we got through it and you, you talked to me to this day. And, you know, I, 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 I and you talked to me and uh, it, it all ended well. I, but there are lessons there. Don't be on the stage 9 a.m. in New Orleans or Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> or you know we'll we'll never book that that same session again so uh hey more of a read seven Stephen, thank you so much uh for for this conversation uh really loved it and love that we were even able to kind of tie it all together um so thank you we're going to be doing this uh we have a, a session next week um friday around the same same time with uh, Jonathan Mendez, uh, who is always a colorful character. I just usually get to throw stuff at him. And then he, he says things that no one on this, uh, on this call really want to have any part to that's, that's, he's going to be a singular guest just because no one's going to want to, to hear when he starts throwing bombs. So enjoy that if, if you will. Uh, but then we're going to take a break as we are learning from our first sessions, but what was really good is to have some really good guests to, to help bring that together and, uh, machine take us out. <laughs> Now, <laughs> all right. So I'm not hearing that. I don't know if anyone else is, but uh, um, with that, thank you everyone so much. Really appreciate it. So take care everyone and have a good day.